0: You're listening to a Sunday service podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis, a faith community that welcomes, affirms, and protects the light in each human heart, listens deeply to where love is calling us next, and with humility, courage, and compassion, works to create a more just world. To learn more, visit us at firstuniversalistchurch.org. I don't understand how you can see somebody move and not move your own body. I do not get it. I do not get it. If I saw somebody, I mean, if I, if I saw somebody in church moving like this, I would, that's where the good news is, right? To go. Okay, it goes like this. We gotta hold everybody. We gotta hold
1: everybody up. We gotta hold everybody, we gotta hold everybody
2: Good morning. morning. My name is Caden. I do not have any pronouns, so please use my name in place of pronouns. I am today's worship associate. I became involved with the Sanctuary Network when I lived in Salt Lake City, Utah. I got involved because A family took refuge in the bigger of the two UU congregations in the Salt Lake City area. I became friends with the family living in the church. I helped entertain the children so their mom could take care of matters she needed to. There were endless hours of playing (laughs) hide-and-go-seek, making slime, and having the little ones paint my nails. (laughs) The first time their mom came down and saw my painted fingernails, she was horrified. (laughs) We celebrated... Christmas together one year, a few other volunteers from the network were invited as well. We coordinated who would bring what. I coordinated with the folks who were on shift that evening to make sure the children were nowhere in near the doors i would be entering through i didn't want them to see the bicycle and giant teddy bear yeah. <laughs> i took the gifts uh, i didn't want to see them uh, have them see the gifts that i took upstairs It was a bigger effort than I originally imagined. (laughs) The annual candlelight service occurred the same night as the Christmas celebration with the family. The timing had to be just right so that I could take the gifts upstairs and be back downstairs unnoticed. The volunteers and family met in the uh, social hall. We all went to the candlelight service together. We all we went upstairs after the candlelight service to share food and watch the kids open their presents. I sat on the floor with the kids. It was wonderful watching the joy light up their faces as they opened their gifts. They gave all the gift givers hugs after opening the, their gifts. I remember when the older sister opened the gift I brought for her. She unwrapped it and saw it was a bike covered with stickers of pandas. She squealed, jumped up and down, and gave me a big hug. She immediately asked her mom if she could take the bike down to the social hall and ride. Her mom said yes. She dashed out the door with the bike. Everyone else followed downstairs to the social hall. She got on uh, immediately. Christmas lights lit the uh, room, as uh, lit the uh, social hall. Her uncontained joy was infectious. Smiles were on all the faces of everyone gathered as we watched her go round and round, laughing all the way. Pause with me now and notice your breath. Breathe in self-love and pride for your journey and growth. Breathe out, release your future unknowns, and embrace your potential. As you breathe, consider Consider your growth goals for today. Keep this as your intention. Together, while we hold all this, let's breathe three meaningful breaths. We gather here for peace, inspiration, wonder, and possibility found in both expected and unexpected places. May our faith make the path glow. I invite Vivian to light our chalice flame as we say our covenant and renew our shared faith. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our shared covenant. To grow together in peace, to seek the truth of love, and to help one another. We have been called to love ourselves and each other unconditionally, to foster a beloved community of giving, receiving and growth. We have been called to practice compassion in everything we do here, to be the gifts of love to one another. Welcome. Let us hear the call of Call and respond with joy. We are gathered for worship.
0: Thank you, Caden. Anybody else want a bike with panda stickers now? <laughs> it's like all I can think about. Fantastic. That's great. Uh, breathe, breathing in love. We, we're getting a blessing of love in, for the congregation. Uh, and that's actually a wonderful segue. You should do this for you. You should consider this line of work here. Because... Because... Well, because listen, Jenny, look, look, because look, we're, we're talking about gifts, I have a couple of questions for you. Um, how many of you have ever given a gift? Ah, oh, I see. There's, 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 some. <laughs> What's your favorite gift uh, that you've ever given? An experience. Ooh, yes. Something that is of use. Yes, what, what was the gift? What, what, what gifts did you give? What's your favorite gift? Love. Oh, look at, okay. Okay, we got, we got all kinds of preachers in here. Okay, yes. I gave a very large, handmade, from scratch blanket. Very large, handmade, from scratch blanket. Oh, yes. Oh, very nice, very nice. Why do we give gifts? What's the, what's the reason? Yeah, because it makes people happy, sure, yes. To show love, of course. Connection to one another, yes, yes. Love and connection, to show we care. Um, sometimes in joyful moments, a birthday, a graduation. Sometimes we want to show that we care in moments that are harder. Um, all the time we give gifts to remind each other that we are not alone. We are holding it together, right? I once got a really great gift. It came from my mother, and it was at a hard time. It was the, um, it was a funeral for, my, uh, for an uncle of mine. He had recently died, and I was quite young, but I was just playing the piano, and so they asked me, the family asked me, to play the piano for this service. And I was so nervous. It was such a high bar that they were asking me to take on. It was a lot of pressure. And I remember my hand shaking on the stairs of the church in my mother's hand. That was also shaking because of my hand that was shaking. My, my palm was sweaty, and she could feel that. And she turned to me. She said, is everything okay? I told her, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. I don't think I can do this. And she took off of her lapel. She was wearing a, uh, a pantsuit because um, in the 90s, Dot, 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 okay. She took off of her lapel a gift that she wound up giving me. It was a brass pin in the shape of a dove flying just like this. And she placed it on my lapel. I was wearing a suit that day, too, just like mom, like son. And she said, this is a sign of the Holy Spirit, a sign of comfort. Whenever you wear this pin, Comfort is not far away from you. And there we walked up the stairs, and she was right. I felt the comfort in that gift. And I began wearing it everywhere I could. Every time I wore a suit, I wore this pin. I even had a suit that didn't have any lapels, and I put it on there. <laughs> Did that for years until I grew up and I got to teach a student how to become a minister. And my first ministry student was very nervous at her first memorial service. And as she was walking into the door, I said, hold on. And I gave her a brass pin, the same brass pin that my mom had given me. And, she said, and I said to her, this is a sign of the Holy Spirit. This is a sign of comfort As long as you are wearing it, and even beyond, comfort is not far behind you. She found it so comforting that she wore it to every wedding and every memorial service she ever did. She's still wearing it now. Hi, Teresa. She watches this this live cast. Hi, Teresa. How you doing? I'm telling our story. Well, she still has that pin to this day. She won't give it back. It's on long-term loan, but I wanted, to, I wanted to give my mother a gift back, and so I, I called her up, and I said uh, to my mother in, in Baltimore City, I said, Mom, you gave me a pin years ago, and, uh, and it had a dove, and it was outside of the memorial service, and you said about the comforter, and it was so important to me, and I gave it to one of my students, and my, my student is now wearing it, my friend loves the pin, and it provides her comfort. It's gone through the years, thank you. Thank you, thank you so much for this gift. And my mother paused in silence the way, uh, the regal way that she always does. And she responded, Glenn, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I went, What? Even when, even when we forget those precious moments, the memory and the feeling, the emotion, the gift of love stays in those gifts that we bring to one another. It stays with us. And so I'm going to ask you to help me to build a gift. We did this in the first service and you're going to help uh, along with it. I've got here a box. The box is for rocks. It's a rock box. And in the first service, we took some of these rocks and we placed them inside of the box. And I'm going to ask you to do that with the other side of this. We're doing this for two reasons. We have stones here for two reasons. One. They will represent us as we bless those of us who are going to the retreat this afternoon, the Congregational Retreat for Spiritual Practice. And then the second is for a harder reason. Some of you may know that our own Reverend Jen has been caring for uh, her father in Baltimore, the same city where I was uh, telling that story. We grew up in the same town. Jen's father, uh, Cliff, passed away two days ago. Now's the time that we know this news to breathe. And what community does in hard moments like this is we give a gift. We show up. And so we're going to show ourselves showing up. I've got two baskets here filled with rocks of all sizes. There are giant rocks, and there are tiny rocks, and there are rocks of color, and rocks of wood, and rocks of stone. What I'll ask is, if you will, come up and take a rock, hold it in your hand for just a moment, and infuse some love into that rock. And I'm going to ask you to place it in this lid. What we'll do is combine them into this box, and they'll go to Jen. I'm gonna send it to Jen. And every time she feels the weight (laughs) of the box, she'll also feel the weight of your love. This is what a symbol can do. So if you're ready and you're willing, I would love to have some volunteers to help me assemble the box. The rest of us, as we go, will sing a song. I will be your standing stone. I will stand by. We'll just sing that over and over and over again. If you will come, help me build the gift. I will be your. We're going to need a bigger box. <laughs> I offer, in the midst of our love and our comfort, a stone for Jen. This is called a worry stone. It's to hold in your hand. It is for comfort and peace. It is amethyst. And I offer it in the midst of all of your love, This is what a gift can do. Your presence will live on in the memory, in the substance of these stones for all time. May our love go wherever these go and beyond. May they be of comfort and peace to our dear one, to us all, now and always. Amen. You gotta keep
1: your heart wide open, though the waves wanna push you around. You gotta keep your heart wide. You gotta keep your heart
3: Good morning. My name is Ashley. I'm one of the ministers among you today. And we have already done so much praying with our bodies, but now we get to do it with our words. For those of us who are word people, I think there are some word people among us today. So let yourself settle a bit more into your seat. Whether you are joining us from a seat elsewhere or in this room, notice that you are held, that you can let your heart rest wide open. And let us pray, let us meditate, let us hold each other in love now, lifting our pain and our praise so that the pain might be lighter when shared and the praise might grow and spread. We have a responsive part this morning to make explicit the work we are doing together in this time. When somebody lifts up a prayer, I invite you to respond together, and we will practice. You are not alone. We are holding it together. So let's practice. You are not alone. We are holding it together. We already prayed for our beloved Reverend Jen, but we pray for her again and for her family as they mourn the loss of Cliff. We hold Jen's partner, Loretta, and their kids, Henry and Kate, as well as Jen's brother, Chris, and his family. We hold all who loved Cliff as they move through this time of grief. And we say to them all, you are not alone. We are holding it together. Beloveds, what do you need to hold with us? Speak it aloud, speak it into the chat, hold it gently with no words. We will get the gist anyway. Ah oh, oh man. For all for whom grief just sucks. You are not alone. We are holding it together. Barb online says, for my mother who fell and broke her hip and have had surgery, Barb, you are not alone. We are holding it together. For Marie's mom and dad, you are not alone. We are holding it together. For Tim online, for my brother Michael who is looking for a new job, Michael and Tim, you are not alone, we are holding it together. For your mother who had her first seizure, we are holding, you are not alone, we are holding it together. For Krista's brother, who is also out of work, just after having bought a new townhouse, you are not alone. We are holding it together. For all who are single parenting, you are not alone. We are holding it together. For everyone in the Middle East, you are not alone. We are holding it together. For your mom's friend, Helen, and for great friends everywhere, you are not alone. We are holding it together. for all the prayers that rest silently on your hearts. Let us speak to them now. You are not alone, we are holding it together. Let us sing that holding now as we sing Spirit of Life. Now we make that part about holding it together material. This is our time of offering, and we begin with an invitation from our foundation board.
4: Where did you go, Lynn? There you are. I love that we started this morning with that song about holding everybody up. Uh, my name is Lynn Broadus, and I'm one of nine members of First Universalist foundation board. Our foundation started about 40 years ago in 1984 with one goal, to help make our community a better place. And we do this, we try to hold others up by giving money to small nonprofits with new leaders and communities that need a boost. Each year we give between 75 and $150,000 away in grants that range between five and twenty thousand dollars. We love supporting grassroots, boots on the ground, nonprofits working right here in the Twin Cities region. And just over the past six years we've given out about a million dollars. So it's that time of year where we start thinking about how we're going to give grants this year and that's where we need your help it's pretty simple, but we look to, while well, the organizations have to actually apply for the grants, we invite them to apply, and those that we invite are ones that come through nominations from church members and friends. So um, you can be an organization standing stone by nominating them. You do it pretty easily, there's a, a, a form online. If you go to the church website and to the giving tab, And then down at the bottom of that giving tab is a, you can click on the the foundation, um, the church foundation. And follow that and you will see a pretty clear link to a form that's used for nominating. And it's not fancy. You don't have to write out a whole big thing about the organization. You're basically just putting them forward for our consideration. So we ask that you think about that and and do it by the deadline two weeks from today, Sunday, uh, February 4th. I will be in the in the social hall after the service and would be happy to have a conversation with you about just to learn a little bit more about the history of this and how it's done and what we're looking for. So please stop by and think about those organizations that um, have been important, that you know are important to the community and that, that may need us to stand with them. Thank you so much.
3: There are also lots of ways to receive and to give of time and energy, I want to draw your attention to our Winter Spring program guide that is many pages long and very exciting and filled with all kinds of opportunities to fill yourself up, to receive the gift of love. and also filled with so many of you who are offering program and ways to enrich our collective life together. Check that out out in the Narthex. Uh, registration will be live later this week. And we have a congregational meeting next Sunday. We need you to be present. We need you to offer your time and your wisdom as we move forward um, in many areas, including our visionary goals and towards ordination of one of our beloveds, Jill Braithwaite. So finally. We get to have um, a time to support our sanctuary and resistance team's work with your offering this morning. Please give boldly so we can grow the love we provide. And um, if you are needing to strengthen the muscle of receiving this week, I invite you to do that often much harder work by emailing me, ashley, at firstuniv.org, and we will connect you to resources that help us all hold it together when we need it. Let us receive our offering now. We
5: shall be known We shall be known by the company we keep, by the ones who circle round to tend these fires. We shall be known by the ones who sow and The seeds of change Alive and deep Within the earth We shall be known By the company we keep By the ones who circle round To tend these five be known by the ones who sow and reap, the seeds of change alive from deep within the earth. It is time now, it is time now that we thrive, it is time we lead ourselves to the world. Well. What a time to be alive In this great turning We shall learn to lead in love this great turning We shall learn to lead in love We shall be known By the company we keep By the ones who circle around Ten these five shall be known by the ones who sow and reap the seeds of change alive from deep within the earth. It is time now. It is time now that we thrive. It is time we lead ourselves into the world. It is time now. And what a time this great turning we shall learn to lead in love this great turning we shall learn to lead in love In this great turning We
1: shall learn to lead in
6: love Dear ones, I have absolutely no idea what is happening in my um, spiritual life these days. If you were in the service last week, you saw that, um, well, maybe you didn't know this, but uh, I had a a visceral experience of the spirit of Reverend Rob Eller Isaacs joining me for the service. That's what was happening as I was uh, in tears while we marked our losses. Um, when I interned with Rob, one of the things that he shared with me was an encouragement to preach without a manuscript. He shared the, uh, the way that he would preach early in his ministry when um, he would prepare three index cards. Uh, as you can imagine, three index cards do not 20 minutes fill. And what he said was, you can believe that I was really present and really connected with the congregation. He said, you should try it sometime. And I said, nope. (laughs) In the course of the last seven days, um, my phone broke. My uh, glasses that I use to be able to see things like a manuscript um, no longer function effectively due to, uh, well, That's another story. And this morning on the way to church, my car started having issues. Lots of things are breaking. Uh, So that means that I have sunglasses with which I can see you. (laughs) So I'm going to do this for a moment and just take you in. But given that our services are archived forever, there is no way that, uh, don't don't do that, Ashley. (laughs) There is no way that I am preaching with sunglasses on. I can just see Jen, she's like, I leave for one week. Which means, uh, a couple of things. Um, the manuscript and I are a uh, parting company this morning. Um, I have no idea what time it is. So, <laughs> I'm looking to you all. <laughs> if I start getting carried away, you got to reel me in. Most of all, it means this. When we gather for worship on a Sunday morning when we come together in this sanctuary here at 3400 DuPont, out online, on the interwebs, in Zoom and YouTube, and all the other places and ways in which we gather. We are creating the service together. Church is never something that you can sit back, cross your arms, and consume. This that we're doing right here is one of our primary corporate spiritual practices. And today in particular, I need your help. I need your help to listen to yourselves, to listen to the people sitting next to you, to listen to whatever it is that you understand that is greater than us, that is speaking to us even now. I need your help with this so that together we can listen, and in doing that you will help me to find the words that we need for this morning. Church is always an act of faith. Church is always about the spaces in between the words in which spirit can show up, at least I think it is, but this morning that is particularly true. So will you join me in making the rest of this worship service together? Yeah? Thank you. So, y'all, did you hear about the board meeting that went into the wee hours of the next morning? All right. Um, Well, I got to tell you, the church was debating a resolution to affirm its commitment to solidarity with black folks. You see, the church felt that it was really important to make an affirmative statement that black folks were welcome there. And as you can imagine, some people were very much in favor of this, and others were, well, let's just say that they were opposed. Anybody know when this meeting happened? Somebody said last week? Somebody (laughs) said? (laughs) Someone said last year, I think? 65, 1947, 1947. What was happening in 1947 in this country? There was a war, right? There had been a war that had recently ended. Veterans were coming home, Yep. That's right, that's right. So there was, there was a war, African American soldiers that had fought side by side in the trenches. Next to white soldiers, we're coming back to a country that was very clearly failing to live up to the ideals that those soldiers ostensibly fought to protect. You could go to another country and fight for freedom and democracy. Couldn't come home and find it. In liberal religious institutions across the country, and this was true for Unitarian churches as well, People were saying, we need to do something about this. This situation is not okay. One of the many things that they talked about doing was making clear, making clear and affirmative statements that their congregations were welcoming congregations. So it was in 1947 at the First Unitarian Church of Chicago. The, um, I need to... Check my notes here for a moment. <laughs> this, this is why, right? The, uh, the evening Women's Alliance had pushed for a church resolution that would clearly state that First Unitarian Church welcomed people of all races. 1947. They knew in that church, the Women's Alliance, knew that whites only was never carved above the door of Protestant churches in this land but it was implicitly understood, and they felt that a affirmative resolution was needed. And as you can imagine, there was some disagreement. The board meeting at which this resolution was debated raged into the early hours of the morning with board members going back and forth and back and forth. Finally, in frustration and exasperation, one board member turns to another board member, the most recalcitrant in the group, and says, what is the purpose of church? And the board member, equally impassioned, shouts out, it is to change people like me. (laughs) The resolution passed. That board member who was opposed and another trustee left the church. Yeah, wow. To change people like me, now I'm going to bounce. First Unitarian Church's efforts to integrate, to diversify, were successful. It became one of the most diverse congregations in the Unitarian Association in this country. I invite you to wonder with me who you are in that story. Chances are good if we are honest with ourselves, if we have participated in enough communal endeavors that we have been each of the people in that story at different times. We can imagine all of the whole cast of characters in that congregation. Aligning with the currents of change, Trying to resist the currents of change. Perhaps saying that the purpose of church is to change people like us and then stepping out when that change is more than we are there for. Our religious ancestors knew something of this dynamic. I think one of the places that it led is to what we currently know of as our third principle. Now, if you haven't acquainted yourselves with the gray hymnals that are in the pews in front of you, don't do it now. <laughs> Stay here with me. Keep, keep giving me the words that, that we need. In the, in the very front of that hymnal, uh, there is a, uh, a list of the seven principles of Unitarian Universalism as well as the six sources that we hold and draw wisdom and um, inspiration from. And the third principle, if I'm remembering it correctly, says um, acceptance of one another and encouragement to spiritual growth in our congregations. Doesn't send us out into the woods to walk in nature as some of us will be doing later today, at least metaphorically as we retreat with some of the transcendentalists doesn't send us off to the mountaintop hermitage. It sends us into the pews, into the social halls, into the committee meetings. It sends us into community with each other. And I want to take us into another story about why that might be. Once upon a time, could have been 1947, could have been 1965, 68, 72, 1993, 1985. That was a good year. Could have been yesterday. Could be tomorrow. There was a church that was declining. Actually, truth be told, it had pretty much already declined. The writing was on the wall. There were four members and a pastor. Everybody and the congregation was over the age of 60 no one was coming in the pastor the pastor had tried everything that that they knew they'd installed screens on the walls multimedia they'd learned some dance moves they couldn't gimmick their way out of the situation It was a hard time, a time perhaps not unlike first Unitarian was experiencing in 1947. The pastor, not knowing what to do, went to consult with an elder of another tradition who lived in the woods not far away. In conversation with this elder, they spent the morning together the pastor shared what was happening. The pastor shared what they had tried. And the pastor asked, what do I do? Help, help me out here. Like, do you have some wisdom for me? And that elder looked at the pastor and said, I have no answers for you. I have no wisdom to share. I'm out here living in the woods by myself. But I do know this. The Messiah is amongst you. I'm certain of it. This came to me in prayer. This came to me in a vision earlier this week. I did not know who the message was from until you knocked on my door this morning, but I am certain of it. The Messiah is amongst you. You can imagine the pastors, maybe we can't imagine, but let's try to move into this this person's perspective. They are serving a church, they are serving a faith that tells the story of a Messiah that will return, of one who will bring about the beloved community and at least a thousand years of peace. The pastor goes back to their church, and that Sunday they they share with the congregation the Messiah is amongst us, even now. Imagine what that was like for the members of that congregation. We all know how it feels to be in an institution where things have been hard start to tighten up. Everyone who had arms crossed just let them down. (laughs) Sorry about that. Wasn't trying to call you out. But you know, we get constricted. We get tight. We maybe start pointing fingers, sometimes out loud, oftentimes just in our hearts. So I just imagine what it was like for the members of that congregation when the pastor said, the Messiah is amongst us. I kind of figure that whether obviously or not, they started kind of sussing each other out. <laughs> you know, like maybe going up behind somebody. Is it, is it this guy? Is it her? The story goes that they also started wondering if they might be the Messiah, right? Because check it out. Like, I think about the Dalai Lama, right? When the Dalai Lama was just a little kid running around, (laughs) Dalai Lama had no idea that he was going to be tapped. Said to be the reincarnation of a Lama and become the spiritual leader of his people. So people started treating each other differently. And they started treating themselves differently. In a way, they were putting that brass dove on each other's lapel. They were saying to themselves and to each other, this is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. This is comfort. Wherever it is, the spirit and comfort will be with you. The Messiah is amongst you transformed them from a community that was consuming each other to a community that was giving each other the gift of their presence, of their attention, and of their love. They began to grow together in community. I think this is what our third principle points us at. It says, you know what, y'all? You can't get away from yourselves, and you can't get away from each other. If we are going to grow at all, if we are going to make space in our lives for the possibility of what this pluralistic faith could be, the only place that we're going to do it is right here with each other. I think our religious ancestors knew that when we make space for this kind of practice, the practice of showing up, of putting that brass pin on the people next to us, metaphorically, when we give each other that gift, it does what all spiritual practices do, which is to say, It makes us see ourselves with a little bit more space. It helps us to start to develop a sense of what the flavor of our ego and judgment look like so that we might see them coming rather than react out of them. It brings forth attention and curiosity so that when you sit down on a Sunday morning you can turn to a person next to you And know that while they very likely understand ideas like God and spirit and what happens when we die and what it means to be human and alive rather differently than you do, the two of you can make common cause in this sanctuary and work to grow in spirit together. When we make space for this practice, space in our own lives, space in the lives of those around us. When we practice in and as a community, we tap into that possibility. The possibility that Dr. Glenn Thomas's mother pinned on his lapel. The possibility that the elder gifted to that congregation. The possibility to change everything. And right now, everything needs changing. This isn't easy. This is not easy at all, and it isn't quick. What we are talking about here does not have prime delivery. You cannot, you cannot hit the button, and it will be delivered to your house tomorrow morning. It is, however, a practice that is possible. It is possible. It is possible when we lay down our certainties, when we take on practices that lessen and loosen the grip of our egos and the temptations of capitalism. It happens when we make space for the winds of change to blow through our lives and we learn to shape where they are leading us together. May it be so, and amen.
3: a lot of things, and we just have one more blessing to do. A blessing is when we draw a circle of love and protection and strength around our beloveds. And I want to start with blessing those of you who have said yes to the invitation to facilitate a spiritual practice group this afternoon. If that is you, will you come forward? If that is you, will you come forward now? There are more of you. There are like 14 of you, which is just awesome. And while you are coming forward, I just want to tell the rest of the room I have gone from being stressed that nobody would sign up for this retreat to being stressed that too many of you <laughs> have signed up for this retreat. We have about a, over 130 people who are participating this afternoon. Yes, so if you are one of those participants, will you come forward now also to stand up here and be mildly embarrassed in front of each other and showered with love all at once? And as you come up, there is a basket of stones here. More stones. We're not done with the stone metaphor. We're like a bad poem. Um, Take a stone, hold it in your hand, and place your intention or your hope for this afternoon's practice. No, really, do it. Come up here, grab a stone, put it in your hand, then put it in the other basket. You can do it. You are taking a stone, holding your hope for this afternoon in it, and then putting it in the other basket. It's gonna be messy. Spiritual practice is always a little bit messy but we learn how to be community together through it also. While this is happening, we're just gonna let them all do this, facilitators, participants alike, and the rest of us have the joy of blessing this whole crew and saying thank you because when this group practices together, they are doing work on behalf of all of us. They are working on their own transformation so that we collectively may transform as well. So this is gonna take a little while, and that's okay. Just take your time coming up here, blessing yourself as you place your hope in that stone and move it to the other basket. And the rest of us, we are gonna warm up our blessing hands I know you're grown-ups, but you can pretend you have blessing hands too because you do actually have blessing hands. It just means that we are calling forth the infinite in each other and saying yes and sharing that love that we call upon with each other. Feel that friction as a reminder and place your hands up Hold each other up, 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 that way, yes. Towards all of these amazing, brave souls leading and practicing this afternoon. All of you, we hold you in love. We hold you in gratitude. We believe we give our hearts to your possibility for transformation. And we say, thank you. Amen. When you are done putting your stone in your basket, you may return to your seat and we will sing our closing song together.
0: rise and sing? Thanks for listening. If you've been comforted or inspired by this podcast, please consider supporting our ministry. Podcasts are free to download, but they cost money to make. Visit firstuniversalistchurch.org to make your gift. We'd love for you to join us in person or online on Sunday mornings. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.